Uh, well, guys, we, um, we began this new series uh, last week. We've been talking about the changes coming uh, to First Baptist Elgin for some time. And so last week, we kind of uh, laid on, on you very quickly kind of uh, the, the, the new vision, um, the, the, the new mission, the new model. And I'm, I'm going to go through those like super quick. And, and I'm going to tell you, we've got cheat sheets for you available if you didn't catch it all last week. Um, but for those that weren't here last week, uh, as we prepare for who we're going to be and a new church facility, we, we, the church, understand we need to be something new as well. And, uh, and so that's what we're working towards. And so uh, I'm going to run through these slides pretty quickly. But I, I want to talk to you first and foremost about our, our new vision. And uh, a vision is kind of that lofty goal that a church has, saying this is who we feel like we want to be, this is what we want members to look like, this is how we want to represent Jesus in our community. And, and, and this is it simply, it's, it's loving, learning, and living like Jesus. That's, when you think of our church, that's what we want you to think about. First Baptist Church, Elgin, uh, loving, learning, and living like Jesus. And so uh, those things then work themselves out um, very systematically on purpose uh, through a mission. And so we view the mission of our church in order that we can be, right, uh, loving, learning, and living like Jesus. We think we have to do this. We think we have to equip families uh, to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ by, right, and here's those words, loving through worship, learning uh, through discipleship. You could even insert the word relational there, uh, relational discipleship, and by living uh, uh, through service, by living through service. And, uh, and so uh, kind of the way we do that, foundationally, the three words you're going to hear us say, like until we die, uh, around here are, are these three things. Ready? Worship, learn, and serve. And so you see this graphic up on the screen. Uh, you've got the family there being transformed into the image of Jesus, cross above them. Uh, these three elements, worship, learn, serve. We want our lives to be about that. We want everyone uh, that's a part of this church body um, to say, hey, I, I, want, I, want, I want these three aspects in my life, okay? And so uh, last week, well, then we rolled out kind of the new model. So this starts on Sunday mornings. It starts September 11th. Wednesday nights, it starts September 7th. So the easy way to remember that, everything changes after Labor Day, all right? Easy, like, when does it change? After Labor Day. That's when it changes. So if you want to write that down somewhere after Labor Day, it changes. This is what it'll look like. Uh, if you've got kids in the home, uh, you're going to worship at 9.45 or 11. Uh, that's your worship time. Your learn time will actually be on Wednesday nights at 6.30. If that doesn't work for you, come see John after service. He'll talk to you about other opportunities. And we want you to serve. Uh, if you've got kids in the home, your serve time is going to be on Sunday morning. Uh, now, if your kids are out of the house, it's a little different. Again, you're going to worship 9.45 or 11.15. Notice those times are different. 9.45 or 11.15. Uh, you guys are going to learn Sunday morning before the worship service. That's at 8.30. Uh, and then uh, your serve time will be primarily Wednesday night. Again, if either your learn or serve time doesn't work for your current schedule, come see John after service. We've got options. We'll work with you. Um, but we want everybody to worship, to learn, to serve. Okay, we all got that? Awesome. Now, uh, to help with that, we actually made this handy-dandy PDF, which is way better than that. It's actually, it's actually better than that. And it talks about the fact that, you know, hey, we've got kidsmen, uh, full kidsmen during both services. Uh, youth Sunday school is only offered during the second service, so it helps you make some of those choices. And it's got a QR code to take the survey, uh, so we want you to do those things. So that's a big deal, and I'm, I'm now juggling things. I have too many things up here, John. I, there's too many things for me to juggle. So uh, having said all that, over the next three weeks, I want to dig in to the biblical basis for our belief in these three pillars, worship, learn, and serve, okay? 
So I, I want to I really, I dig in why is our church saying to be balanced spiritually, you need all three of these aspects in your life. This morning, we're going to talk about the first one of those intersecting circles, which is worship. And here is what the Word of God says. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. And see, I changed it. and I... There we go. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Here's what the Word of the Lord says. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... In view of the mercies of God, by the way, Paul's been writing about how merciful God is. He says, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you then to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true or your spiritual act, as some other translations would say, of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. The good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And with that in mind, there's three things that I want to share with you this morning about this thing called worship. And the first is foundational uh, to why we think worship is so important. And that is because, uh, folks, worship changes us. So first thing I want you to understand, guys, worship changes us. That's, that's, that's what it does. And, and so the Apostle Paul writes, right, that we need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is our, our, our act of worship. This is true worship. And, and he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. So if we were to kind of simplify that, Paul is actually saying that worship, uh, part of, in worship, something happens to us, and, and through worship, uh, we, we start to be renewed. Okay? We, we start to be changed. We, we start to think differently. We, that we think differently causes us to live differently, right? And, and so something happens in worship that changes us. Changes us. It, it renews us. It makes us be the kind of people that we're supposed to be. Specifically, it makes us be more like God. And this concept uh, that worship changes us is actually found all throughout Scripture. You can find it in the, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So uh, the psalmist... Uh, writes this, and I'm, I'm going to turn to Psalm 115, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, Psalm 115. And so the psalmist in Psalm 115 is looking at the nation surrounding Israel and, and how they bow down and they worship idols. And he knows that his people struggle with this all the time. Right? The, the, the Israelites are constantly wanting to be like surrounding nations, and they too are, are bowing down to these, uh, the, these false uh, little g gods. And, and so the psalmist writes this in Psalm 115, uh, starting in verse 1. He says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Their idols, talking about surrounding nations, their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throats. Those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. I like the ESV version of that last verse I read to you, verse 8. It says, those who make them become like them, as do all who trust in them. If I'm going to simplify that into a spiritual principle, here it is. You become like the thing or the person you worship. You just do. You become like the thing or the person 
that, that, that you worship. You, you just do. And, and, and you could think about it about somebody that you idolize in life, right? Uh, and and, and it, could be, it could be a good person that you're trying to idolize. It could be Nick. But, but like whatever it is that you consume yourself with, if you, if you watch it, if you listen to it, if you focus on it, that, that's every, guess what? You, you begin to think about those things. You begin to act like that person that you're, you're idolizing. And, and, and listen, the, this, that, that concept is, is true of all of life. God designed us that way, that we become like what we worship. Of course, His intent, y'all, hello, His intent, greatest commandments, first, second commandments, like, is that we would only worship Him. We'd have no other gods. We'd make no idols for ourselves, right? Ten commandments. You'll have no other gods before me. You won't make an idol for you. Why does God put those at the top of the list? Anybody? Because God designed us to become like the things that we worship. And his goal was that we would only worship him. We'd have no idols, so we would be like who? We'd be like God, right? We'd be like God. But in our disobedience, man... We constantly make idols for ourselves, and while we of this, uh, you know, technology-driven world, we say we don't carve them out of wood and stone anymore, man, we sure have them in our homes and in our hands on a regular basis, right? And we become like the things that we worship. And again, this is biblical. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of God, and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is spirit. In other words, when we focus on God, guess what? When we, when we esteem Him, when we sing about Him, when we study His Word, when we pray, when we meditate on the Scriptures, guess what? We'll be like Him. We'll be changed. We'll have different thoughts, won't we? We'll have different thoughts. We'll, we'll, we'll act differently. Why? Because we have... Uh, made our lives about focusing on the glory of God. And Paul writes, when you, when you do that, when you focus on the glory of God, you begin, to, uh, you, you begin to put off the glory of God too. It begins to change you. You're transformed, you're changed. So that's the first thing, guys. I want you to know that worship changes us. The second thing I want you to know this morning is that this change is meant to affect every area of our lives. Okay? So worship changes us. We we. we, we, we we're, we're literally transformed into that which we behold. Uh, but this change is meant to affect every area of our lives. I'll, I'll look at verse 1 with you again. It'll put it up on the screen. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. Uh, you, your whole body, that's all of you. That's not just, not just he, Paul's not just talking about, uh, you know, sexually. He, he's all of you, your mind and your body and your spirit, all of your life becomes part of worship. And so this transformation that God intends to happen through worship is supposed to affect all of my being. I, I wrote down some things that, that maybe it should cause uh, us to, to, to do these things differently. Uh, maybe we should think differently because of the way that we worship God. Maybe we would talk differently because of the way that we worship God. Maybe we would treat others differently because of the way that we worship God. We've been in God's presence, right? We've experienced God's forgiveness, and then we would do what to others? We would extend that to others, right? That's why God says, like, if you don't forgive, you, you can't be forgiven. Because that means you haven't really experienced me. When we experience God, we are changed, and then we live differently. So we think differently, we talk differently, we treat others differently, we have a new mission. We have new priorities. We have new purpose. Worship does all of that for us. Which means, 
that if we don't have those things, then maybe we're not worshiping God the way that we should. It is possible, y'all, to take the definition of worship and to make it so narrow that it becomes checking a box. And that's not true worship at all, right? God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can falsely worship God in the flesh, right? And it doesn't change you. It doesn't change you. So this is a spiritual act. So worship changes us, and this change is meant to affect every area of our lives. Here's the last point. God designed all of it that way in order to draw others to himself. God designed all of this, this, this whole truth, right, in order to draw other people to himself. And so, uh, one more time, I'm going to ask you to turn this time in, in the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Uh, if you're doing the Bible reading plan with us as a church, uh, we just finished up Exodus a few weeks ago, Exodus chapter 33. Uh, starting in verse 7, it says, Now Moses took a tent, and he pitched it outside the camp. And at a distance from the camp, he called it the tent of meeting. And anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Now whenever Moses went out to the tent, all of the people would stand up, each one at the door of his own tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of, uh, uh, to the tent, they would then stand up and then bow down in worship, each one at the door of his own tent. And the Bible tells us when Moses did this, it actually documents that when Moses worshipped God there in the tent, that Moses was changed so much that his face would actually glow with the glory of God. It, 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 Worshipping God completely changed Moses to the point, y'all, that the people that, 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 that surrounded Moses in life, his people, the Israelites, noticed such a difference that every time Moses went to the tent, they, they came out and they watched and they anticipated. And when the glory of the Lord came down, they too began to fall on their face and worship God. Right? When they saw him worship, when they saw him change, they began to watch and follow his example. And that is by design. That's what I'm going to submit to you this morning. That's, by, that's, that's God's plan. Okay? Jesus says it this way in Matthew 5, 14 and 15. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp, puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. And we're meant to be an example to others. Why? That's the next verse. Verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, okay, big word, so that, it's telling you the reasoning, okay, that doesn't mean the, the, the next few words are the reason, okay, so you see the little black and the blue there, it says, so that they may see your good works, but here's the so that, and what's the so that, why do we let our light shine before us, so that they will give glory to your Father in heaven. That we are meant to be changed by God. 
Like Moses, the glory of God uh, begins to emanate from us so that people around us say, man, i got to worship God too. It's part of God's design. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2, 14 through 15. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless, pure children of God um, who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, ready among whom you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. We are to be that shining example to the people around us. And so uh, we're supposed to be like Moses. Let the glow of God's glory affect those around us, okay? But that only happened as Moses worshiped God on a regular basis. So, what do we do with all that? I think there's some questions we need to ask ourselves, right? So I want to start here with application. I'll ask you some questions along the way. Uh, But I just have two application points this morning for you, and we'll let you go. Number one, I believe as we study what worship really is and what it's intended to do, I believe we need to give to God what He deserves. That we need to give to God what He deserves. Now, that's a lot. By the way, that's everything all the time. Uh, that's, that's high bar. But it all begins here. It all begins with worship. And, and I, I don't just mean that lifestyle worship. That God wants to change your life. He wants every of your life, every area of your life to reflect His glory. He, I mean, He absolutely does. But do you know where it starts? It starts in corporate worship. It's the beginning. When we intentionally come into the presence of God and we focus on the things of God and we cry out to God. We say, God, change us. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, I need you. God, 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 God. And when we commune with God in spirit that way, God does a work in us. He changes us. We are transformed. And we actually leave different. This is why God says don't forsake the assembly. Because this doesn't happen just on your own and by yourself. I love you. I believe in private moments with the Lord. I absolutely do. But I also believe in the communion of the saints and corporate worship. And I think something spiritual supernatural occurs when God's people gather together in heartfelt worship. And it's necessary. It starts here. And so I want to talk to you about that. Right? Have you made it a priority? How's your church attendance? You guys are early service. A lot of you are here. You're like, we're here every week. Some of you, yeah. Like, we're, we're trying. That's good. That's awesome. We got we to gotta make it a priority. We've got to reclaim that. Right? This is the Lord's day. And so uh, I'm going to put a, a QR code on the screen for you. If you haven't done this, and we've got this ministry survey. John's going to talk about it at the end. The very first thing you do when you take this survey, you're going to tell us, which worship service are you going to? Choose. We're, gonna, we're going to this service. We're going to serve in this service. Right? We're going to learn at this time. We, we, with everybody in the church right now, we've got, what do we have, 50? We had about 50 people do the survey last week. That's awesome. We've got, you know, roughly, if we were going on church attendance between different weeks and stuff, we've got a little over 300 people actively worshiping at different times. So we've got a long way to go. But we want everybody, man, man, buy in. Why? Because God changes us through worship, and we are changed so that we can bring change to other people. That's, that's the way God works. That's how he intends it. So we want you to do that. I, I want you to think about family worship, right? So parents, 
Worship matters. So if you, sh- you, you show up on Sunday, that, by the way, step one's awesome. Being here's awesome. Okay, but participating is important. Your kids are watching you. And they're going to learn to worship. How did the Israelites learn to worship God? They watched Moses, right? Communing with God. And, and the kids are going to watch you. And not only are the kids going to watch you, then we've, we've got the people in the pews around you. We're going to have more and more visitors come to our church than ever before. Many of those people have never been in church. They've never, they don't know how to worship God. So if we come like this, y'all, num, 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 ho-hum, that, they're going to think, well, that's, what, that's all God wants of me. He just wants me to show up and put my hands in my pockets. Go through the motions. No, man. When we sing, we sing. When we pray, we pray. When we give, we give. We participate. When we study, we study. And we're all in. We're not halfway in. And man, it matters. Because God wants to use you as an example to those people around you. Absolutely. 100%. So we need to give to God what He deserves. So I want to challenge you to fill out that survey. Don't wait. Uh, Y'all... Labor Day is when the change occurs. Can I just be honest with you? We can't get all your results the day before Labor Day weekend and, and be fully equipped to serve. Like we can't. We need to know now. Alright? So please, get those in. Make it a priority. Number two, I want you to be mindful of God's mission to use you to impact others. Be mindful of God's mission to use you to impact others. Worship changes us. This change is meant to affect every area of our lives. And God designed it this way to bring others to himself. God intended in his plan from the very beginning for you to worship him and him alone. And as you worship him and him alone, you're actually transformed into his image so that you can draw other people to him. That's the plan. Like we, like, we don't have to rewrite the, the, the plan. We don't, we don't have to recreate the wheel. Man, it's been made. God actually made us in our DNA. Like we're created to worship Him and Him alone. In doing so, we're changed into His image. We look like Him. It draws people to Him. That's how, that's God's design. Right? And so I've got to take it seriously. So we want to help you here too. Uh, we told you that we're going to become a praying church um, we're going to be mindful of the people God puts in our path. So uh, we've got these little prayer cards. Um, I have different sizes depending on how big your, your wallet is, okay? So men, itty bitty. But if your eyes are bad and you need readers, take the big one. It also fits in the wallet. I'll just tell you. So like I'll, I'll show you the bigger one just so you know, my big fat wallet here. Uh, I can get it in here and it still fits in my wallet. I can take it everywhere I go. I can pull it out every time. Uh, and here's what it, it, it says. Join me at FBC prayer card. And it's got seven spots Monday through Sunday. And we want you to pray and say, God, who are seven people or seven families that I I should be Moses to? That you've put in my path so that they could see you. Who are seven families? And then you're going to pray for the Smiths on Monday and the Johnsons on Tuesday. And I mean, mean that's it. Families that you ultimately want to, to end up here at church worshiping with you. On the back, it's kind of got instructions, right? So you list the seven families. You pray for each of those every day of the week. Step three is you start investing time in them. You look for creative ways to bless them. Like, hey, you guys want to come over for dinner? You, you want to go out and do something? You know, I mean, it's ways to, to start, start investing time into their lives. Hey, hey, can we babysit for those kind of things? Step four, invite them to join you. Church. 
Step five, share your Jesus story with them eventually. You've got to build that relationship to do that. And here's how God changed my life. But we believe that God has put families in your path, everybody. So these are down front uh, on, the, on the rails. We want everybody to take one. Okay, pick your size. I don't care. If your eyes are good, take the small one. I don't care. We've got plenty. But we want everybody to take a card and start filling them out. This, is, this isn't a joke. This isn't, hey, 20% of us can do this. Everybody on board. Everybody worshiping, learning, serving. Everybody being a minister of the gospel. Right? We may have paid pastors. Everyone's a minister. Everyone's a minister. Okay? Guys, I'm going to pray for us. Then we've got a few announcements that I think John's handling today. Whoa, whoa. Um, all right, let me pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word. I, I, man, God, I'm astounded at how um, good you are, how much you love us, and, and, and at this truth, this biblical truth we talked about this morning, that you have this great desire to change us and, and that it occurs naturally as we just live out. Like you literally say, have no other gods before me. Don't bow down to idols. If we do those two things and we worship you and you alone, you change us into your image so that you can use us for your glory. God, help us do that. Help us rediscover the truth of your word and begin to live it out. Father, I pray for every person here that you would put it on their heart to make a personal commitment to corporate worship on a regular basis, that you begin putting on their heart exactly who it is that they need to be praying for and inviting to join them in this space. Lord, you want to change us and you want to change the people around us. You want to change this city. And God, we just pray, yes, May your kingdom come. May your will be done in us, through us, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.